Hey folks, welcome back to Pretend World's Real People. As always, I'm Tyler, and I am trying to cool off in a very, very hot house. <laughs> it's like 105 degrees right now, um, but it's worth it because I am recording this intro for all of you. Thank you so much for tuning into the show, and as we get into our 100th episode countdown, we're about, uh, as far as recorded episodes, we're about five or six away, so we're getting close. I got some big stuff coming for all of you, and uh, just a lot of exciting work coming this summer, and then I'm going to take in a, a little a little break <laughs> after two years straight. Need a little break, kind of refresh, uh, figure out what we're going to do for series two, the next hundred episodes, and go from there. We got a lot of uh, really cool things in the works, but outside of that, it's been a fun couple of weeks of just auditioning, auditioned for a couple of Netflix shows, uh, some, uh, I almost said some auditions, but uh, some industrials. I actually landed one that'll pay pretty well, so super excited about that. And uh, yeah, just doing this, really trying to enjoy summer, still rollerblading. It's been a lot of fun going kayaking here in a little bit. So I think this is the first summer of me working multiple jobs, working like crazy, but also finding time throughout the week to go outside enjoy the weather, and uh, just really enjoy this beautiful state that I live in. If you've never been to Colorado, please come visit, uh, but be aware if you do want to stay here, it is incredibly pricey. Anyway, let, uh, <laughs> let's let continue on to the most important part of this episode, which is the interview. I had a chance to sit down with the amazing Sarah Tomko to talk to her about not only, you know, her role in Resident Alien, but previous roles on Sneaky Pete, The Leftovers, Once Upon a Time, and just see, you know, what what got her into this industry. That That's why we're here. That's why you listen to the show. You want to see how their journeys have really sort of transpired, what sort of tribulations have our guests gone through. And for Sarah, she has worked her ass off to get to where she is, including working for almost 20 years in the service industry. Actually, I think it is 20 years in the service industry. And then she picked up this role in Resident Alien, which is an amazing show. If you haven't checked it out, you you know I'm a huge fan of it. If you've listened to previous episodes, it's an amazing show. She's fantastic in it, and uh, she's just a really great person. So I can't wait to share this episode with you. Let's get right into it. Let's sit down and chat with Sarah Tomko. Hello, listeners. I am Sarah Tomko. I'm an actor in the film and TV industry, uh, as well as theater, where, where I got my start. Um, I play Asta Twelve Trees on Resident Alien, which is how most people know me, but I've also been on shows like The Leftovers on HBO, Sneaky Pete on Amazon, um, Once Upon a Time, can't forget that one, and The Sun on AMC. Oh, is that that's coming out soon, right? No, no, it's already been out. It's done. It's our, oh my god, I'm thinking of something. There's something else. Yeah, there's a feature yeah, called there's... the Sun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was the one with like Pierce Brosnan, and they did like maybe two seasons. Oh, yeah, I, I got to shoot that. Pierce Brosnan. It was great. What? Okay. Well, I mean, thanks for <laughs> spoiling that for me. I appreciate that. Oops, sorry. Uh... Right. Maybe spoilers <laughs> alert. I'll just, I'll just watch it with my other half and say like, hey, she does something really cool in this. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry, listeners, if you haven't seen that episode. Anyway. Well, anyway. Uh, <laughs> segueing from that, uh, yeah, thank you again for, for coming on to the show. I've spoken to a few of your uh, 
friends my and associates. Yeah. Some of my best girlfriends. Yes. I, I'm not going to lie. I, at this point, getting a chance to talk with all of you and I've brought it up with each of them. I'm trying to set up like a, you know, pre-season two, mid-season premiere reunion live stream later on this summer. Fingers crossed. Ooh. We'll see if you guys are available. Oh my we'll gosh, we are. Yeah, we I'm are gonna, <laughs> I'm going to show my cards right out of the gate and see what I happens. love that. You know what? <laughs> I will be cheering for you and I will yes. be telling my team to be on the lookout for that email. So. <laughs> well, perfect. Awesome. Uh, well, let's let's get back to you. This is this is a show about you. We're, we're here to chit chat oh, uh, about you and your story. More. Stop it. More. <laughs> well, I want to know why, why or not why. Yeah, let's go with why. Why did you become an arts worker? What what was it for you that said? God, you know, I uh, love that out? term, arts worker. So yeah. beautiful. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Um, you know, I stumbled into this, and I say that lightly because, according to my family, they always knew I was going to be a performer. For me, it was just a way of life. Like I had three brothers growing up, and my oldest brothers when I was young. They didn't really like dig playing with me. They wanted to play baseball and all the sports. And because I was a girl and I didn't really know what I was doing or whatever, they were always like, no, Sarah, stay on the sidelines. So I would still play with them by being the coach and the fans and the popcorn man and the band. <laughs> and I was, I was doing imaginary circumstances, you know, in New Mexico, like around a, <laughs> like, you know, a park just making like having fun and still playing with my brothers, you know, quote unquote. Um, and it was just who I was. It was just a part of, of my personality. So when it came time to actually go out for sports, I realized I, (laughs) they were right. (laughs) Like I wasn't that great. Like I was good at like defense, you know, on, on basketball or, Um, I was, I was catcher in softball and like, I was always a good supportive player, which actually, you know, correlates to my career as well, but I didn't really discover like performing arts until I didn't get any sports. Like I didn't like get on any team. I, I like went out for all of them. And so what was I to do? But like, I need an extracurricular activity and I heard this thing called show choir and they used jazz hands and it was flashy. And I thought, that's for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up, you know, joining a show choir and that turns into, you know how it goes. Like then you get into high school and that becomes musicals and plays. And then yeah. when it got time to be college and I was supposed to choose a major, I shit you not. I did not realize you could major in performing arts. I thought that was just something you eventually get to in this magical way. I wasn't even sure how you did it. I I knew auditions were involved, but I didn't think it was something you went to school for. And, or if you did, it was like an extracurricular activity, just like it is in high school or whatever. I mean, I just didn't know. And so I was going through a booklet and it said theater and dance was one of his majors at James Madison University. And I was like, you know what? I'll choose that until I figure out what I'm really going to do. Because in my mind, I had to have a practical job. Um, and, and it's not because my parents didn't support me wholly. They did, actually. They were always really, you know, 
very good about saying like, whatever you guys want to do, we just want you to try it at least a couple of times and stick to it. And then if you really don't like it, you can try something else. So I just kept trying things. And it just so happened that theater and dance and performing, I was just really good at it naturally. And so I fell in love and it wasn't until college that I really started to like lose myself inside of a character. And I really started to understand things like experimental theater and, and the black box. And, and I just, I did this role called Medea Redux uh, from a play called Bash. And it's, I, sometime please read the play. It's an incredibly written, like three different monologues, but um, I fell in love. I became this other woman for a time. And after I was done with that show, I thought, I, I can't ever do anything else with my life. This is for me. I want to learn more about how to get into other people's shoes, understand the human um, you know, condition. I'm a human observer and a supportive player. And it's just, it's just been really wonderful to explore that and kind of discover it all by myself, really. <laughs> like in my world, in my mind. <laughs> No one was paving the path for me, you know? I was sort of figuring it all out as I went. And that's been my whole career, honestly. So, I mean, it sounds like you don't know, do you have any family members who are also in like the arts industry? Um, all of my family members are musical. We sing okay. and play instruments. Like my niece is incredible at the cello. My dad plays the guitar. My oldest brother, Trey, he's a drummer in a band, but he's an incredible singer. He reminds me of Jeff Buckley. Like he's really oh, wow. like just poetic and introspective with his music. Um, my brother Ben plays like um, really fun um, pop music at the beach. Like he's in Myrtle Beach and he's always doing covers. And he's like the guy that you go and you have a beer and you're listening to him and you're bopping your head. Like he's so much fun, him and his band. And then my little brother, Jake, he definitely plays um, instruments and sings, but he's actually uh, more of an editor. He's on like the other side of the camera. And so we are very artistic. Yeah. Um, but I'm the only one that really pursued acting, you know, specifically or performing arts as a career. Oh, wow. I mean, it makes it easy. Oh, I guess not. <laughs> it's not an easy career by any means, but you're not comparing yourself to a relative who's also, you know, an actor. Yeah, or no, that's what I mean. I sort of, yeah. I did kind of pave the way for maybe others in my family to understand it's something that is accessible to them, but it wasn't, I didn't have anyone in my life, even as a friend or a family friend that had done this. I was just, in my mind, I was a musical theater major at a school of theater and dance, and I was going to go to New York after college, and I was going to try to get on Broadway. That was all that I knew because my grandmother, when I was 10, she took me to a musical on Broadway, and it was like a Tuesday, and no one was there in the front. Like, there were people in the audience, but like, I was by myself essentially in the front row, and this entire cast, I felt like they were doing this musical crazy for you <laughs> for me. And that was really, you know, if I really think back to like the moment that I saw how magical Broadway in New York and that could be, that was the moment, but I didn't really connect it until after college when I was like, <laughs> I'm going to go to New York now, you know? And then something happened, man, where I just, I kind of love New York so much. I didn't want to fuck it up. 
I didn't mm. want to get jaded in that town. I didn't want to fall out of love. I just knew that it was going to be really hard. And I just decided, okay, I'm going to take a second. I'm going to try to book some sort of theater gig right out of college so I can start making money and kind of get my head on straight and figure out what I want to do and how I want to like tackle New York. Cause that's like, I don't want to just go in there and then get spit out by the mouth of the city. You oh, know, God. I wanted to really have like a plan. And so I ended up doing this cabaret of sorts. It's kind of like SNL. It was in Ohio. Um, and you know how they do like, they'll sing a rock song and then they'll do a sketch. That was basically what the show was. And so that was really cool. Cause I'd never done comedy before, but after about a year of working there, I realized this isn't where I want to be either forever. Like this is still just a stepping stone to like getting to New York. Like that's what I kept thinking. And then that summer I visited my girlfriend, Ellen, um, who I went to college with in LA and again, stumbled on LA because in, on the East coast, I don't know if you experienced this when you were growing up, but when you look at magazines of LA, it's like Hollywood stars, Beverly Hills, Rodeo Drive. Like it doesn't look approachable. It's just like something that's like otherworldly. You'll never get there. In my mind, it wasn't like a place to go. It was just a place to watch on TV, you know? So I went to visit her because she was living in West Hollywood. And my first day I went to go get some coffee. She was like at work. And so I was just taking care of myself. I went to go get coffee and the pride parade was on Santa Monica Boulevard. Oh my God. And it was my first day in LA. And I was like crying. I was full of joy and like looking at these people who were so beautiful and they were telling me I was beautiful. And I, I mean, I'm getting emotional thinking about it. I just was like starstruck by this wonderful community at the pride parade. And then that night I go to Home Depot with my friend. She's got to run an errand. And I go to the bathroom in Home Depot and there's a giant poster of Audrey Hepburn in the Home Depot, like bathroom. Like, like it's the cleanest bathroom, first of all. And like also <laughs> Audrey Hepburn's just like chilling in this beautiful way on the wall. And I thought, if I can be in a town with so much culture and color and like love for film and television, like I have, why would I want to be anywhere else? Like, this is amazing. And everyone you talk to is in the business somehow. Like, sure, you meet people that are like sort of alien. You're like, you were born here? And they're like, yeah, I just want to be an accountant. And you're like, what? <laughs> you know, No shame to accountants. That's really hard work. But I just mean like, it's always weird when you meet someone who isn't in the industry here. But it is fascinating to person after person to meet like, I'm a writer, I'm a filmmaker. I'm a dancer, I'm a singer, and you see them all working their way up. And it's just, it's, it's very inspiring. And it was not what I expected. And so all of a sudden, pivot, I ain't going to New York anymore. <laughs> I'm going to LA and I have not left since. I'm in love with LA. Oh my, see, the more I hear about LA, the more I need to go back there and visit. I think I was there for a, I don't know, a couple of days, but it was, I wasn't able to see everything you saw I mean if I saw a Home Depot bathroom it was the grungiest skid row bathroom I've ever seen <laughs> Look, in my entire I, I, I think the universe was protecting me and was showing me some really great sides of LA because of course yeah. every city has like their seediness or has their their you know moments of grinding that really break you down 
but I just, I got the best I felt like I could ever get as an introduction. And it made me want to go back home to Ohio, like get my money in order, get my like, like head on straight and like take myself to LA. And, um, it was crazy. Cause when I landed in LA, I didn't know anything. I didn't know what to do, where to go. I had one friend, Ellen. I had another friend, Becca from high school. And I think my friend, Vanessa, maybe had been out here or maybe she came right after me. So I had like three friends. That was it, which was, I mean, that's enough. That's like, wow, thank you for knowing anyone. Right. And so you <laughs> start building a community, <laughs> right? Like, thank God. Um, and to be fair, I didn't come alone. Like at the time I was dating um, who would become my husband, who is now my ex-husband. So it's all good. We went on a journey, but um, I didn't go alone. And he was also an artist. So I, we felt, you know, like we were exploring new ground, you know, but as far as me as in the actor world, I just started asking around, what do you do? Where do you go? And people kept saying central casting, central casting, start there, you know? because it's really great for getting on set, getting exposure and it's extras work, which helps you just sort of understand the business. You know, you kind of become like a fly on the wall. It's a great place to start because you just kind of jump in and, you know, not to be um, like, I don't know, flipping about it, but anyone can do it. You just have to like apply, go and like get in line and like they're willing as long as you're professional and kind, like, cause it's extras work, you know, it, you don't, but eventually there, are, I mean, there are people at, at central casting who are like so professional, they know how to get the featured extra and they've been working at it for 15 years as their own career. I mean, it's, it's incredible to watch. Yeah. I, I lasted three months at that place. I was like, <laughs> this is amazing. It's cool to like, see how things work, but this is not where I should be for Like, I can't just do this work, but it's a great start. So I, again, started asking around what to do, what to do. And at the time, I don't know if this is true anymore. And you can tell me, mm-hmm. like, there were all these websites that you could be a part of. Actors Access, now casting, LA casting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Backstage, you know, these were all these websites that were out there that you could like, be a member and like, you know, you could submit yourself. And so everyone was like, get on the websites, like make a profile, get a headshot, get a reel, you know? So I was like, you know what? This is, (laughs) this is my MO every time my whole life. Okay. I hear you. You say, get on all the websites. That's fine. I'm going to do one and (laughs) see how I feel about it. And you can just back up off me because <laughs> I like ask, I like ask for advice, but then I still want to go my own way of doing it. I don't want you to tell me how to do it. So I did just one website and I, I did research on all of them and I found the one that I liked the most, um, was actors access Yeah. and, uh, or actually maybe it was now casting first, um, because they had like a database at the time for casting directors like a database where you could like have names and addresses. And this was when (laughs) I'm dusting myself off. This was when you were still sending headshots by mail, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I know that may be like a foreign concept to some of our listeners, but you still had to like send a hard copy. So to get like casting directors, um, addresses was incredible. And so every week I started sending headshots out 
I was not only like, you know, um, submitting digitally, I was also submitting like fully, you know, in paper, paperwork. Um, and anyways, you know, without going on too long of a tangent, I of course realized that you can't just be on one website. You need to be on all of them. Just like the people said, but I went my own way. Anyways, (laughs) I, um, I ended up getting on all the websites and you kind of treat it like a career. At least I did to me, that was, um, that was my secret, which was, this is my career. And people would be like a career. Okay. You know, what are you doing? You're waitressing. And I'm like, but it's my career while I'm waitressing. I am submitting. I'm getting up every day. I am going to work. I'm going to work and I'm looking for gigs. And you know, it, it is your career is not just when you're on set acting. In fact, um, that's the bonus. If you ask me, the bonus is you finally get to do what you love. <laughs> the, the job is all the grinding work to get to that beautiful bonus, you know, that like riding off into the sunset, finally, like doing what you love, (laughs) you know? Um, so that was how I started in LA and little by little, I just incrementally like ascended into what I understood to be sort of an independent career. I was doing a lot of indie films and I was really trying to make a name for myself. And I don't know, I hit a wall at one point and I was just like depressed and I'm never going to make it. And everybody hits that point, you know, where in fact, a lot of people, I think kind of give up at that point. It always happens. And I try to tell young actors, especially like, don't listen to that voice, man. Cause that is the <laughs> voice that like, will try and get you down. But that is, it's not true. It's just that this industry is a game of attrition. You have to stick it out you have to to see it through and you have to know that sometimes you will have years of a lull. And, um, I'm just a big believer that what is meant for you is meant for you and all your answers are on their way, but you have to work for it too. You know, there was plenty of people that I met along the way that, um, were just super disappointed about not getting gigs or, or landing jobs. But the truth is they really weren't grinding. They weren't submitting every day. They weren't trying to go to casting sessions. They weren't, they were just kind of like every once in a while they'd submit, you know? Uh, and that's yeah. not gonna, it's not gonna get you anywhere. It's I, I know that depression, you know, I suffer from depression and anxiety. So I know how real it can be sometimes. But you know, you have to end up tricking your brain a bit, like I said, and like saying, no, this is my career. The career is sitting around and waiting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that's so true. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, these are long winded answers. I'm not sure if that was what you were going for and you can tell me to stop at any moment. No, but... no this is, this is what I get. That's why uh, I always say in every single outreach email, like, this is a very informal interview. I want to learn more about this person's process and yeah. you're exactly right. Like I, yeah. I think I've hit that moment in my career where it's like, uh, I don't think anything big is ever really going to happen. But I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going. Uh, Good. You've spent this long doing it. Why stop? You know. And yeah. uh, I, I do want to ask because I I uh, currently work in the service industry, like most of us do. Uh, yes. Outside of my my <clears throat> full time career. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like, how how long did you have to maintain that service industry position or those those other jobs before you started finding 
I don't want to say regular pay as as an yeah. arts worker, but you know where you felt okay. Well, I don't really have to I have to do that anymore. So that's a great question, and it's a surprise to people when I tell them that even after I booked the series regular position on this pilot, I kept working in the service industry for a whole other year. Um, wow. Because I understood that there's a lot of people in this town who like to dangle the carrot in front of you and tell you that everything's going to be great and this is going to go. But the truth is nothing is guaranteed. So even when you book a role, they could immediately the next day be like, actually, we changed our mind or, oh, you know, oops, there's a pandemic. We have to shut down, like whatever, <laughs> like, you know, nothing is guaranteed. So I, I was in the service industry for 20 years. That's counting like high school and college, which was getting me through. And then I tried to avoid getting a service job, uh, a restaurant job when I moved to LA because I thought this is going to be different. And I was looking for like, I don't know, um, desk work, but like somehow flexible, which is like, it's non-existent. <laughs> How can you have desk work that's flexible? Um, and my best friend, Ariella, she just so simply called me up one day and was like, Sarah, the restaurant industry is the most flexible schedule you can have. You're in charge of your own schedule and you're good at it. Like, why would you just, I understand you're tired of being a waiter, but like, why would you like put more energy into something else that you don't really want to do when you're already like good at this and like you can do that on the side and juggle that while you're like going out for auditions it's offering you this opportunity wow to like have your auditions and so i was like you're right so immediately i got a restaurant job <laughs> and um i was at this italian restaurant for like i don't know two or three years and then i found this amazing restaurant in studio city called hugo's if you're ever in la please check out hugo's in studio hugo's. city it is incredible food um, and also really wonderful people. And I ended up staying there for the majority of the remainder of my restaurant career. But um, I got to that point we were talking about where I hit a wall and I was really depressed and I was showing up to work um, like angry and, and ungrateful and just like, I'm never gonna make it. I don't wanna be a leader and I fucking hate this, you know? And I had this just, I don't know what came over me, sort of an epiphany where I remembered hearing Ariella say that many years prior, like this is what offers you space and time to do that. This helps you do that. And I just sort of perked up and I started going to work so grateful that I had a job that would let me flexibly change my hours anytime I got an audition and would be, you know, and I started really realizing like, uh, no, I'm not a waiter for life and neither are you. It's just a stepping stone to get you to the career part where you do get to finally monetarily be taken care of by doing something that you love. But you need that job. You need that day job. And so I stuck it out and I kept it. And even when I booked that pilot, I said, uh-uh, you're not going to fool me because any minute now you could like take the rug from underneath me. It was such a big deal. A year later, a year later, they finally picked up for a season one. And it was, I think, uh, September of 2019. And uh, that same best friend, Ariella, 
was in town with her husband and her two kids and my husband, who I am now with after the other relationship, I am happily married to my husband, Theodore Patterson. And um, they all came to see me on my last day and they brought me like balloons and roses. And I just sat, I just sat in that um, lobby area because I was um, also uh, managing that day. And I just sat there and, um, and I just thought, wow, I'm so grateful that I had this job for 20 years and it got me on my feet and out the door and into these audition rooms and it helped support me so much. And I just encourage anybody who's listening, just find a day job you like. I was good at that. Maybe not everyone's good at waiting tables, but like know that the day job is important. It actually helps you, but you need to find a day job that's flexible because you have to be ready at any minute. Yeah. And that, you know, to me, like I kept, I didn't leave until right before we started choosing shooting season one. And to be honest with you, I just, you know, after season one, um, we got shut down, you know, two weeks before ending season one because of a pandemic. So then we did quarantine and then we went back for season two. And like my husband and I just got back. And this is the first time I'm in LA since like it was normal and I was a waitress. So this is like my first time like experiencing like summer without having to like wait tables. (laughs) It's new for me. It's amazing. But it's, you know, it does it does um, happen and it will happen. You just have to not give up. There, there is a glow about you. And now I know why like, there's, yeah. there's that feeling. Cause I totally know what you're talking about. Oh, it's, it's amazing weather outside. Yeah. I don't have to close tonight. Like, this is, yes. this is perfect. Take those wins where you can get them. And like, <laughs> thank those people who switch with you at the last second. Yeah. Who like, you know, like be just, just take a minute and like see the job for what it is and understand that that is the career. And, and that once you book the gig, then, you know, like I had a friend once who I had just sort of met and I, I was like, uh, I got to go to this audition and then get to the airport. Cause it was like near Thanksgiving. And my husband was already on the, you know, already there. And so I just thought, I feel like I can trust this person who I've just met. He, he's become one of my closest friends. His name is Luke. And I just texted Luke and I said, can you help me please God? Like he's one of my fellow servers. I was like, can you, do you happen to be around with a car? Can you take me to this audition? Can you take me to whatever? And you, you have to be afraid not to ask for help. And he did. And I said, if I book this role, I'm taking you to get a steak dinner. <laughs> and that's when I booked once upon a time. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so we had a really juicy, delicious, rich steak dinner. Oh, after hell that. Yeah. <laughs> and we've been friends ever since. <laughs> So I, like, thank you to all the fellow servers out there who are helping those of us who are in the arts worker industry. Like, thank you for switching shifts with us and not complaining about it. We appreciate yeah. you. <laughs> we I, need you. Thank you. <laughs> that is the biggest shout out that we could ever put on this podcast because I, yeah, it's, and everything you just said has helped me so much in the last five minutes because I'm oh, exactly at that point of just walking in going, 
I don't like, I, I don't want to be, I don't care about your ranch, dude. <laughs> it's, it's one of those. I don't want to get things. you hot water with the fucking lemon, man. Can you just like figure out what you want to order? And exactly. done with it? <laughs> like the menu's right in front of you. It's been 20 minutes. I'm going to be over here. Uh, no, I, I thank you so much for, for talking about that because as somebody who is doing that and, you know, trying to keep those credits building and, and getting into something else, it does help knowing like, you know, it's, it's still a job one. Yeah. But it's also the most flexible thing you could have, uh, also, with you know, really great people. You get an opportunity, um, on your best days. Cause look, you're going to have days where you still feel that way Yeah, and you can't help it. It's just, that's part of the wave of our emotions of being human, but you know, you're not only like helping people have a good day by like offering them food at their table, which we all know food is life. We like yeah. need it to survive. <laughs> But also you get a chance to role play a little bit. Like, you know, I've heard of people like trying out accents and doing things like that's very brave. And I'm, 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 you know, I commend you if you're out there like truly role playing like characters, but you just get a chance to listen, to observe, which is very important work in acting. You get a chance to really see a person and to see what they're telling you in body language it's actually quite fascinating and it's research and it's, it's like you're going to work, but you still get a chance to watch a documentary of people in front of you, you know? <laughs> um, so I hope you feel different next time you go into your restaurant and another big shout out tip 20 to 25% people. Yes. Thank you so much. This is how <laughs> we live. Jeez. It's like, if you can, if you can go out, then you can tip the right amount. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure what memo you got when you were only giving 15%, but it's like 20 to 25 and be, be gracious and kind with your money out there. That does remind me going off of that. Is there somebody you have served or maybe it was a regular you had that you built a character off of <laughs> or maybe used as inspiration? <clears throat> you know, that's a great question. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say built a character off of, but there are two instances that pop up when you ask me this question. So obviously they've stuck with me for a reason. Perfect. One was this gentleman who does that thing that people like to do when they find out you're an actor and they say, well, what have you been in, you know? And I remember him coming in and waiting for a friend and he wasn't ready to order. And so I was really polite about, okay, well, let me know when you're ready, whatever. And as he's waiting for his friend, he of course is like, so what do you do when you're not here? You know? And I'm like, I am an actor. And he's like, well, have you been in something I've seen? And I'm like, I mean, I doubt it. Cause if you knew my face, then I wouldn't be here, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, um, I, but I listed a few things that I had done and he was, you know, just sort of like, yeah, okay, whatever. Obviously you're like not an actor, like for real. And then he's like going through the menu and his, then I was like, okay, well, just let me know when you're ready. His friend shows up and he basically, you know, does that thing where he's like, hurry up as if I haven't been there a couple of times to the table, you know, hurry up. Like my friend's here now, whatever. <laughs> And I, I can't remember exactly what I said, man, I took such liberties while I was, I was doing my job, (laughs) 
that I probably should have been fired for. But I think I said something to the effect of, don't tell me to hurry up and don't ask me who I am outside of this place. Who are you outside of this place? You like a salad? I'm not judging you for that. I'm going to get your friend's order and you can take some time to think about who you are and what you are. And then you can tell me when you're ready. Oh, shit. (laughs) And he was like, and his friend who has no idea was like smirking. It was a great movie moment. So I can say that seems like a, that seems like a moment that would have happened in a film, right? Oh yeah. And then I walked away and I came back politely and I was like, are you ready to order? You know? And he was like, a salad, please. Cause he <laughs> wanted a salad. And then at the end of the day, now this, again, this was one of those things where I could have been fired for that, but um, he ended up like, coming up to me before he left and he was like I'm really sorry and like passed me a $20 bill (laughs) and I just thought I don't need your money man but I'm glad you feel bad and that is the point because fuck you (laughs) like we are all people trying to make it in this world and so I think about that dude sometimes and I think like if that dude could see me now fuck you I'm sure I guarantee you he's seen you on on res Um, and he wouldn't even remember he wouldn't even admit admit that moment happened but his friend was witness and I had other you know my my fellow servers were witness and I just it was nice I I just thought I hope you remember to treat you know servers with kindness in the future I hope that you've learned I I mean who knows wherever you are sir I wish you no harm I'm not putting any bad karma out there for you but I do think of you and motivates me to like, you know, fire under me. <laughs> so like, and then I had this other um, woman that I remember, she was just like, she was really pregnant and her and her husband were just so happy. And at the time I was really just debating whether or not I even wanted kids. And I was, I was younger. I was like early thirties. And um it, I just remember it because it was like such an intimate conversation that I was able to have with this woman because I just sort of asked her, I said, when did you know you wanted to have kids? Because as a woman in this industry, it's hard. So they, they kind of tell you, you can't do both. You know, you can't have kids and have a career. Um, I think that's true for a lot of women in a lot of industries, but especially since I can only speak for myself, that, that feels really true about our work. That, that it's just, you know, it's a lot more common now to see it and a lot more support is given, but it was something that I was really debating at the time. And um, I just remember having a conversation with this, with this um, customer and just sort of straight up asking her, like, when did you know? And she was like, you know, I enjoyed my thirties. And then I got to a point where I said, I'm done being like so selfish. <laughs> I'm ready to like spread that love and joy to my own kin. <laughs> and um, she was like 38 or 39 and um, I'm 38 now. And my husband and I are talking about like starting a family. And it just, it reminds me of that. Like, I just always think of her and I go, yeah. Yeah. I'm done being like so selfish. <laughs> I'm ready to like, you know, we're ready. So yeah. we'll see. Well, I I have this feeling I'm going to be like hiding a belly in season three. That's, <laughs> you know, we'll see what happens if, if I'm lucky enough to be able to. 
to carry. So. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of medium shots for the like first yeah. half of the season. <laughs> and I'll be the first once again. I'll pave the way because nobody in my show has done that, and no one's doing that. Oh, you know, yeah. so that'll be interesting. You know, but I, it's um, sort of presumptuous of me to even talk about it. You know, until it's something that's like really happening for us. But it just you said that, and I thought I think about that woman all the time. I think about her all the time and I think about the joy in her body when she was just so ready. And as a woman, you're just, especially with everything that's going on right now with Roe versus Wade, like we just have oh so God. many people telling us what to do with our bodies. So it's so wonderful and inspiring when you see a woman just take charge and say like, this is what I'm doing with my body now, yeah. you know? Um, and, you know, whether you're choosing to have children or not, like it is your choice. And I just, I love that I was able to connect to customers at my restaurant. And that's what I'm saying to you or anyone out there in your day job, you know, your job as an actor is to um, play off of people. So take that time and look at them as scene partners. What are they giving you? What can you give them back? Sometimes there'll be some tension, but like, <laughs> there's also a lot of comedy, like taking a moment to step back and observe people and not take it so personally and go, Ooh, man, they're in a mood. Isn't that interesting? Wow. And like you said, then maybe kind of put it in your little toolbox as like a character trait that you might want to try out sometime. <laughs> oh yeah. Like the, the crusty old man that's there at, you know, right at opening oh, yeah. and wants a beer. Uh, <laughs> that's exactly. my favorite person. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. There's so many characters, so many characters yeah. that come through the door. It's, it's quite fascinating. Well, I mean, given the fact that you you served for for twenty years and you were able to, to hop onto the show, and now you're kind of having I like love a that. wait. I served for twenty. It sounds like the military, but it's true. <laughs> I mean, there is a. I, I always forget which comedian it is, but they said you need a. There's two options when you get out of high school. You either serve for what I think it was three years, or you go in the military for four. <laughs> he said that should be a requirement for every single citizen, so you know That's exactly right. what it's like. To be I also think it should be a requirement in high school that you have to do like an extracurricular, um, like you have to do, you know, I used to have a home ec back in the day. Yeah. Did you ever? Yeah. You know, where they like, yeah. I mean, that's so outdated that way of thinking. You'd be like, <laughs> okay, economics. now we're going to learn how to sew, but you know, <laughs> but only the women have to learn anyway. Um, I always thought it'd be so good if somewhere in high school or college in order to get credit, you had to work for tips because then you learn yes. the value of working for tips and you become a better tipper in the industry and in, and in our society because you know what it is to work for them. Um, yeah. Anyway, just food for thought. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like the world would be a, a much easier place to get along with people having, you know, or at least like <laughs> maybe not the world, but things will be a little bit easier interaction wise if everyone has worked a serving job in their youth. Uh, <laughs> I agree. You know what? Let's go ahead and say the world. Maybe this would just yeah. change war. You know what I mean? <laughs> if we all were just a little more humbled and had to serve other people, like every single one of us, then we wouldn't be so high and mighty about our opinions. Right? Oh, yeah. You apply to a, a big corporate job in your you know, late 20s and they say, oh, I see you uh, worked for five years at Old Chicago. Well, we, we do like seeing that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah perfect. right like ah oh, i see you got your start at cracker barrel that's me <laughs> crack oh i'm You're so like, sorry <laughs> yeah it was it was rough i mean it was yeah anyways i started as a host and i had my little brown apron oh, um there you go. gosh <laughs> 
so funny. Well, now I, I'm really curious, uh, given what we've talked about already, what do you like to do outside of, you know, uh, before when you were serving full time and, and auditioning and doing everything else, what was, if you do have a hobby, what's something that kind of lets you decompress and relax a little bit? Mm, um, I love riding my bike in my neighborhood. Um, I love going to the ocean. I'm grateful that we live in a state where we can, it's just like 25 minutes away, you know? Um, I am a, I I write poetry. So I, I've been doing that since I was really young. (laughs) Um, but that's something that every once in a while, if I'm feeling the need to be creative and I'm being pensive, you know, I can just sit down and kind of get lost in that, which is nice. Um, writing in general, like short stories or just, um, what I call like poetry prose. Um, and also just, um, my, my girlfriend, Suzanne and I in quarantine, we discovered just like the, the elixir of dancing, you know, we just, everyone was just stuck at home and we just decided, you know what, fuck it. Let's like have an hour where we just put on music and we dance together. And it's, um, there were definitely days that that saved my life. (laughs) So it's a go-to for sure that I try to remember uh, you know, especially if I'm having a down day, like just move your body, like get into your body and out of your head, you know? Um, I'm a big tarot, uh, like card dealer reader. I love tarot. It's, it's also been something that I feel has really changed my life being so introspective and, you know, coming up with these interpretations that, um, feel quite spiritual and spot on um, has been wonderful. And so I, I dabble in tarot and, um, I also love the moon. I got this cool moon tattoo recently. Oh, that's, oh, I was wondering um, what that was. I'm trying to get that's closer. So awesome. <laughs> it's kind of hard when it's on your forearm. You can't really like bend it the other way. Um, I, I started realizing that there were, I didn't know this at the time, but I started realizing that I was having these amazing things that were happening during full moons. And I thought, wow, this is a cycle. I'm, this has happened, you know, I, this has happened, whatever. And, and so I started reading up about it and learning more about, and there is real, um, there is real scientific fact about the fact that we go through cycles and the moon is a, you know, sort of this beacon in the sky that sort of tells us where we're at in time and space based on where the sun is and how that affects us, you know, the gravity and the water that our bodies are made up of, that we have a a real gravitational pull, this ebb and flow that happens at different times. Um, And it's kind of like having like the Batman beacon in the sky. (laughs) You know, you can look up and go, oh, yes, okay, I'm in the first quarter moon cycle, right? That's why I'm feeling this way. You know, like it's, it's just to me, the more you read about it, the more fantastic and spot on you really start to understand, like, there's so many cycles that we go through on earth in this life that connect us back to one another. Um, and I'm so I say that because I, I lead moon ceremonies sometimes, which is I started it in quarantine, but um, actually before quarantine, when we were all still able to be in each other's houses, yeah. um, which I guess we can do again, you question do. mark? Yeah, I think sort it of. depends like, on the state. We're coming back online <laughs> a little bit. 
Um, <laughs> and it just leading a moon ceremony is really just about like sitting with yourself under a certain moon cycle and meditating. And so meditation is a big, um, a big pastime for me that I'm, I'm a huge believer in. And I, I've heard a lot of people say, I, I just can't do it. And believe me, I said the same thing. Um, I heard this, uh, or I read this um, information about uh, these doshas, which is um, like an element that you can be made up of just like fire, earth, air, and water. Um, and it's, it's part of the Ayurveda system, which is something that also connects back to chakras, which is the word we all mostly know. But beyond chakras are doshas, and there's these three that um, you're made up of, whether it's pitta, kapha, or vata. And um, I say this because I'm just learning about this now, but I happen to be a pitta dosha, which is basically like, I couldn't believe it. I did this quiz and I found out that I'm basically like people on Wall Street. I'm like an entrepreneur. Like that's my energy. It's fire. It's, you know, goal oriented. And people with pitta dosha do not like to meditate. Oh my <laughs> and God. I was like, no, wait a second. I like to meditate. But I'm laughing because I'm, I'm listening to Deepak Chopra talk, talk about this pitta dosha. And he's saying, well, goal-oriented people don't see meditation as goal-oriented. But the minute that you really like understand that it is goal-oriented, you start to go, oh, I could do like two minutes. Now I could do five minutes. Now I can challenge myself to do 10 minutes. And you become somebody who can sort of plan it out or organize it in a way which is great for pitta people like we just meet we're goal oriented at at our core and i think that that's how i fell in love with meditation i just started like i just didn't know it now i'm hearing this back and i'm going oh yeah that's how i did it that's how i did it like little by little i tried to just relax in my body and between that and like really leaning into the moon and leaning into my tarot, it all just kind of started connecting back to one another, this core place where I feel like all religion connects back to one another, all spirituality. When you really break them down, you start to see that they all sort of have this common through line, which is um, love inside yourself that you emanate out, you know, and there's different names for it. Um, But I don't know. So that's, that's a big part of my pastime. Wow. That it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, don't be sorry. I, this is, I say it to, I think Meredith did the same thing. Like this is why I have the show. It's just so cool. And I, oh, Meredith, she's my best friend. Did you know that? I had no, not until we, we were talking, she said, oh yeah, but she's my best friend. Sarah's my best friend. We got yeah. the show. And I just thought, what? crazy like cosmic coincidence that you know I mean how cool I finally get to book a series regular and then like months later yeah my best friend books the same show and oh man like (laughs) couldn't couldn't get any better you know like and now we're just like we we are we were already in, in each other's lives a lot but now it's like all the time to the point that when we left for season two we were like I feel like maybe some codependence is happening here. I'm not used to not being near you now. <laughs> now I'm with you all the time. That like this is not good for me to not be near you. <laughs> I need time to miss you. <laughs> yes, we, we we both were just like this transition's hard. Like we're like sisters, you know. We just oh we do God. everything together. So it's been incredible. And that's beautiful to have, especially like you said, booking your first series regular 
and series lead to you know be yeah. on this this show with your best friend and be amongst incredibly talented performers it, it's oh, yeah. it's just it's a beautiful gift and i do as a fan of the show and everybody else thank you for <laughs> everything yeah. you've offered to the show and uh, i mean going back to that crazy fun tangent that we were talking about uh <laughs> i my one of my great friends nicole she moved to la last year she was my mm-hmm. person for all of that information because i don't have any of that i rough understanding of meditation and i use it here and there uh but she was the one i'll text and go hey uh what what cycle is the moon in right now because i'm feeling a little huh you know and yeah. she'd get right back to me within a second and uh yeah that's was... real like the minute you start connecting it you're like yeah. oh my body just like the trees on the planet are being pulled and pushed just like the water in the ocean and it's really affecting you whether you admit it or not like it is affecting you so so the sooner you can like learn about those cycles the sooner you can start to take control a little bit more of the lack of control it's like almost like coming to terms and acceptance with like oh this is just that's why people talk about um what is it they always say? Uh, retrograde, right? Yes. That's what it, Mercury yeah. in retrograde, <laughs> or oh, it's a, it's because of the full moon. Well, the full moon is quite a powerful cycle that I is my favorite, and I find is so powerful because if you don't accept the energy that is happening at the full moon, you will get plowed over by it, and that's why technology goes bad and this happens and car accidents and I have anger and these whatever but that's because you're not accepting this like radiating energy and if you take a moment and go oh this is powerful and you sit and you accept and respect it it charges you up all of a sudden now you're like (laughs) and all of a sudden you're getting that full moon like hero like charge up you know and it can be so beneficial if you, you know, if you buy into that. And um, uh, I just, I've seen it enough times where people don't realize it's happening. And, mm-hmm. and every time I'm sitting back, not necessarily saying I told you so, but kind of <laughs> just going, well, you can either get plowed over or you can charge up your choice. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm picturing you doing this, uh, like very silent Power Rangers, you know, where they do the the morph thing yes. with their hands, but then you finish by like flipping out your forearm and showing the moon and like one of them lights up. Yeah, right. <laughs> or like, or like I, I'm it, interested. Bro. There's this there's this new movie called The Moon Knight. And I'm like curious, are they actually talking about, you know, is there power or no? There, I mean, I was <laughs> I'm a I huge nerd, as you could tell. Very often. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm not it, a big like uh, like superhero. superhero film yeah. person but I saw that title and I thought ooh that could be cool tell me is it I, is it I will worth say, your time <laughs> so the the tv show is worth your time just because it's I mean it's a, a master class in acting first and foremost by Oscar Isaac but uh, as far as <laughs> the comics go yes they do that with all the moon phases and how it affects like this certain character's abilities but in the cool. show they don't really touch on that a whole whole lot it's just hey the moon is out and then he's and I'm like this we need a variation (laughs) well maybe I'll read the comics instead because I learned a lot from um uh I had never read a comic until Resident Alien and then they sent yeah then they sent me you know a couple of them when I booked it and um 
I, I see why it's a whole art form and, and a, there's a following. It's such a beautiful way to, um, to draw emotion, mm-hmm. you know, and to tell a story in picture form, as well as just little dialogue, but pointed dialogue. Yes. I, I just think there's, there's an art to that. And there's a challenge to telling the story in that way that I've never seen before. So that was really cool when I first read the comics Resident Alien. So I'm intrigued. I will I will look up these Moon Knight comics and see. Oh, yeah. I, I love anybody who's like on the moon cycle tip. I'm like, yes, <laughs> I'm going to follow you. <laughs> it'll definitely like, it, I don't know. I think it'll open your eyes to, to more of the comic book you know, media. And uh, I, I will say, because I always say it in the podcast, I'm a huge fan of The Rocketeer. I'm a huge fan of Art Deco. So that is one. Oh my I, God. I'm... Wait, you were going, did you see Terry O'Quinn? I know we're talking about Rocketeer. It, you know, I'm talking about the film. You're talking oh. about the comics. Oh, I love both. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Terry O'Quinn's on our show. Yes. And, and I flipped out of course I was a lost fan so I loved John Locke but I also my little brother Jake and I loved the Rocketeer no fucking way oh Oh, my god loved it also uh, another um fun fact is um now her name is Jennifer Connelly uh (laughs) she's also in Rocketeer and she was in Labyrinth with David Bowie which was like if we really go back, if we're going back to the beginning of this conversation when I was like, remember that time when I went to Broadway and that was the real core of musicals in New York? Yeah. Uh, Jennifer Connelly in Labyrinth was like the real core of like, oh, she looks like me. Her name is Sarah. I could do that. That's cool. Like that's the real core of oh, like wow. where my film world began. <laughs> and so I loved her. I like followed her and I think yeah. she's incredible. And I hope to meet or even like, oh, please work with her one day. I oh, just I think she's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, she's she's amazing. That's um speaking of coincidences, it's crazy how it just all goes back to that that initial point. Yes, and yes. That if like if I'm really honest, that is like the moment where film became like an idea for me. Yeah. And you know, and then the the Broadway moment was when Broadway was possible and that was what I was pursuing. But like uh, Jennifer Connelly has always been like a beacon for me that I've followed since the labyrinth days. And so she's in Rocketeer. She's yeah. also going to be in the new Top Gun, which I'm stoked about. <laughs> like, <Right>? Yes. <laughs> I'm like, yes, like, please. First of all, I, I love, I, I, who cares? Who cares what this sequel is going to be? Like some people are like, it's going to be awful or whatever. I'm like, but it's Top Gun. It's Top Gun. What do you expect? <laughs> like, why are you expecting anything? Go in, have a good time. Like, look at Jennifer Connelly. She's gorgeous and talented. Tom Cruise is never, ever boring, ever in anything yeah. he does. I, I just, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. It hasn't oh, come yeah. out yet, right? It's no, I think it's, uh, was it May, May 27th? I think it's okay, Memorial so it's Day soon. weekend. Yeah, it's, it's like soon. super soon. Yay! So that's that's an IMAX Dolby Digital sit in there. Oh, I'm going, man. I'm going to support. Fly. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to support for sure. <laughs> I will say underrated Jennifer Connelly movie you should check out um, really quick before I do my last few things uh, is uh, Stuck in Love. Came out in 2013 with okay. Greg Kinnear and Lily Collins. It's, <gasps> okay. it's a beautiful uh, comedy drama. Uh, but I always recommend it to Jennifer Collins. I love yeah. that. Thank you for the reference because yeah. I'm a, anytime. I'm, I'm all about it. Connelly <laughs> for life. <laughs> Connelly fans. Uh, well, <laughs> I I'm trying not to steal too much of your time because you've worked hard to not be in the service industry and enjoy 
your freaking Friday. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) I do want to finish up by asking uh, just a few more things. Um, Short questions. Well, maybe except for this one. Uh, We ask all of our guests if you have a party story you could share with us. So it doesn't have to be anything arts based, but something that happened in your life that is so, uh, I want to say maybe impactful or sticks out that uh, it's just something you would tell at a party. It's just one of those stories that you're like, oh, you know what? I have some, you know, just a random anecdote, anything. Could be an interaction, first day of shooting, you know, Resident Alien. A po- Did you say a party or a part of you story? A uh, party story, sorry. A, party, okay. <laughs> a party story. Um, wow. Okay. <laughs> it's kind let of a loaded take- question. Yeah, it is a loaded question, but it's a great question. Let me Let me see what pops to mind. <laughs> um oh gosh I have too many things popping to mind now and now I'm like no don't tell that story <laughs> <laughs> names redacted we don't need to include any names <laughs> um I, I can tell you this is the one here we go right. um it involves my career <laughs> <laughs> one of my first big gigs um was playing the cave woman opener season two of leftovers yeah and it's hbo big deal first time i'd ever been on television i had been doing film up till that point and my manager uh zach james said um we need to start like pivoting towards tv this was this was back when (laughs) dusting myself off again this was back when like tv and film did not mix still so like TV was not something you pursued. Film was what you pursued or vice versa, but it wasn't both, you know? Um, And then you started seeing some celebrities getting into television and trickling into like combining the worlds. And now we know it today as like a total collaboration, but this was like early days of that. And so my manager's telling me we need to like, you know, pivot towards TV, I think. I think we're going to have more success if we go that route. And he was right. And uh, he's an, he's a wonderful manager. Um, and so we found this uh, audition for HBO, like, holy shit, you know? And what was great about it was um, <laughs> I had just had my divorce. As I told you, I have an ex-husband. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> funny that's not what's great about it but that is what sort of helped me with the audition because I was in a really low place at my time uh, in my in my life and I sort of went into that audition room with like a I've got nothing left to lose vibe and I'm pretty sure that's why I booked it because I all like like with total abandon you know just walked in there and and just it's, it's a, it's a, as you, if you've seen it, there's no dialogue, but you just, it's this woman going on a 10 minute journey of like an earthquake and all these things happening to her. So it was a silent audition, but I just threw myself into this like live theater work, basically in the middle of this casting office. Anyway, so I'm just giving you lead up. That's not the story. (laughs) Anyway, I book it. It's amazing. It's kind of this first win after having this really awful time in my life. Um, feeling a lot of shame and grief. And then I have this win. So I like show up to this hotel. It's the first time they're flying me somewhere. I think I went to Austin, Texas to film it. I'm being flown to Austin first class. You know, I get inside the elevator and it's like, what looks like made of gold. I don't even like in, in like mirrors. And so I remember thinking, 
God, Sarah, remember this, remember this feeling, remember this feeling of like first class gold elevator, you've made it, you know? (laughs) Well, at the end of this shoot, again, I don't know if you've seen it, but my character is very dirty (laughs) and very pregnant, strung out like hair, like matted down dirt. And they were losing time daylight when we had to shoot my stuff and we had to do one more shot and we just didn't get it done and so and this is not something they normally ask and they I I believe that they paid me for my uh sacrifice here Uh but in order to save time the next morning they said would you mind keeping the belly on and um some of the dirt (laughs) like overnight (laughs) and I was like say what (laughs) because it takes at least an hour to get the belly off another hour to like get all the dirt and grime off um to you know whatever and they were like I know this is an awful request like we will pay you for your time please we need to like get this shot and of course I'm like I'm so green and I don't know that like what left from right I'm just like yes 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 (laughs) you know um although I will say to be fair I was really good at standing up for myself and there was other things during that time on that show that I did have to stand up for and I think it's important to note that even though I was green I think anyone listening out there like don't ever let like a new gig make you feel intimidated to still speak your mind because I was able to state what I was comfortable with in terms of um, partial nudity. And I was able to like speak up on behalf of my body and the character. And I, I won, you know, like I won and I was still able to do the gig, but like there was definitely some discrepancy there uh, originally when we were trying out costumes and stuff. So speak your mind, but also (laughs) green in the fact that like, they're telling me to do this now. And as I relayed the story to other people and actors in my business, they're like, are you fucking joking? Nobody does that. So I'm finding out later, it's it's not okay that they asked me, I guess, <laughs> to like take the belly home. The story, finally, that I would tell at the party is this. I walk back to this beautiful hotel in full dirt grime. I look like Encino Man. You ever seen him coming out of the fucking ground? It's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> I just watched it again. Like, oh, I love that movie. Um, I look like Encino Man. Just, oh I look like Encino Man with a giant belly. And I get in, and I'm like, I don't even, I think I had maybe flip-flops on. I could have been barefoot. I don't remember. I'm walking into this hotel, like bobbling into the hotel. <laughs> And they look at me like everyone just stops. And I've got, I'm not completely like naked, obviously, but I have like a white robe, which is all they were able to give me at set to like not touch dirt, right? So I have this white robe, but it's like basically Encino Man under a gleaming white robe as if I'm trying to hide. And I go into inside the lobby of the hotel and they're looking at me like, um can I help you? Like, I'm like, I'm a homeless person. Um, and I'm like, uh, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm staying here, you know? And I get inside the golden elevator, mind you. And we stop at the next floor. I'm like, please just get me to my floor. So no one else sees me like this. 
And we stop at literally the next floor and this really sweet, older, like very, could, could tell like prim and proper. She's got pearls on, like she's got some money. Woman walks in and I tell you, God bless her. <laughs> she just took one look at me. She stepped inside the elevator. There was silence. And then she goes, nice day, isn't it? <laughs> And I said, it really was, ma'am. It really was. <laughs> and then I got off and I go inside my apartment or the hotel. Yeah. I give myself um, a little baby wipe bath because I was like, hey, I still need to like make sure the armpits and certain body parts are good, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but I basically have to, I, I basically like lay out towels um, on the bed and I slept with the robe over me. I mean, that was my dedication to like, and I, I went to work the next day, almost completely uh, still with all my dirt and my belly. I mean, I, no one that is like, you're not supposed to do that. That is probably somehow illegal yeah. <laughs> like in the industry, but I was so, uh, I was such a team player and I, yeah. and to be fair, I loved my makeup team. And I knew at the end of the day that it was going to help them. And that was the real motivation. It wasn't about the producers or other people who were asking. It was like, my team's got my back. I've got theirs. I'm not going to like let them down. Um, but that was crazy. The that oh same God. golden elevator. And I look like Encino man with a belly. And I'm just <laughs> like, she just said, nice day, isn't it? <laughs> ma'am thank you you could have literally been like get out of here oh yeah <laughs> or like turned around and said i'll take the next one you know <laughs> yes but she just got in and i mean i'm sure i also stunk like truly i've been oh, on yeah. set all day sweating and you know <laughs> what i mean like i really you know i whatever anyways that's that's my party story the long-winded party story i love that party story <laughs> <laughs> um and with it it came a couple answers for you know my second to last question which is if you have any advice you could pass on to arts workers who are either trying to start out now or have been in it for a while outside of you know yes speak you know up you know <laughs> what do yes, you yes yes well, yeah exactly speak your mind look you know no job is too big or too good you need to take care of yourself it doesn't matter what level you're at I always tell actors, pack your own snacks, take <laughs> care of yourself. Like you never know what you're going to show up, what the energy is going to be. Make yeah. sure you have water, something to do and something to eat. You are going to sit around no matter how glorious the set is. You will find yourself hurrying up and waiting. And you don't want to ever be in a position where you regret something you did because you were bullied into it or on the spot asked always know that if if you get into a situation where a producer closes the door or somebody's like can I talk to you and like if if you wouldn't mind doing this for us that would be really helpful you can always say okay thank you I'll consider that I'm going to give my manager a call and we'll talk it over and we'll get back to you you can always say like, don't, you don't have to make any decisions on the spot ever, ever, ever. And there are times in this industry where the timeline is sped up and there are people who will make you feel like we need to know, we need to go, we need to know, you know, and you, I just 
really encourage you to um, not do anything that you don't want to do. And I was fortunate when I was dealing with some of that that stuff on on the leftovers to have a, a team of people around me. You know, um, my husband now was my uh, uh, friend at the time. And I was able to call him. I was able to call my manager. I called my mom. Like I took a, I took some time because I was being asked to do more than I had been originally asked. And I just wanted to make sure that, you know, and ultimately I remember Zach, my manager saying, Hey, we can get on a plane tomorrow. This is just one gig of many. Like if you're not comfortable, don't do it. And I'm really, really grateful that he stood by me and I got to a place where I spoke to the producers about what I was comfortable with. And then we all just got along great. It was just a matter of speaking up for myself. And I, it's not the only gig I've had to do that with. It happens all the time. So, you know, if you're a people pleaser out there and believe me, I know, cause I was once one, <laughs> like, <laughs> Uh, it's not helping you or doing you any favors by taking care of other people when you should be taking care of yourself first. Take care of yourself first. Put your mask on first before you help others with theirs. That is perfect, especially right now with all the non-union work. <laughs> yeah. Please keep your mask on. <laughs> be safe. Be safe. Be safe for this. Please wear a mask. <laughs> He was like, nobody's doing it anymore. I promise you'll be safer if you do. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> you'll be healthier. Um, and the, okay, the last thing I'll ask before we wrap up this recording is uh, if there's anything that I can promote with this episode, any shout outs, promotions, whether it's a, a project, something that you, you really like, maybe a charity that you're really involved in right now. If there's anything Ooh. that, you know, I can spread word of, I would love to hear it. Oh man, great question. Um, well, my husband and I have a film production company called In the Pocket Productions, mm -hmm. and we are currently working on um, a short film that we're going to do this summer uh, to gain some momentum and a little bit more following of who we are and what we have to offer. Um, we've done one other short that was really successful in 2016, and so we want to kind of just dive back in. So that's what we're working on. And that's working towards a feature film that we're doing next year, next summer. Oh, wow. Um, it'll be an art house horror film. And that's all I can tell you for now. Oh, but, damn it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, be on the lookout for interviews of me talking about that work as we get closer to actually premiering it. And um, there is, um, I was going to say, because you said things to donate to. I mean, there's so many that pop up for me. Um, wow. But of course, I'm like blanking on everything by their actual like name. <laughs> I mean, just in general, <laughs> just yeah. in general, like make some donations out of the blue, not on a holiday. Like when you have an extra $5 and you're thinking about things that you believe in or um, different communities that are struggling. I just think donations are actually something that we don't talk about enough. Um, it's sort of like, you know, when you used to go to church and you would like put five bucks in, you know, as it was being passed around the pews, it's the same idea. Like a little bit goes a long way. And there are so many, so many organizations out there to be supporting and to be following and to be posting about, especially in the social media world, especially with all the things we have going on. 
Um, so I just, I, even though I'm blanking right now on being able to give you <laughs> any example, I just encourage you to be a donator and not, and not for any other reason than to just pay it forward because I believe yeah. that karma and that energy will come back to you tenfold. And I think that's all I have to say. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. I mean, honestly, donate to anything that you believe in. That's, I think Truly, that's the fullest yeah, you can go anytime. for. Anytime, like not just when they're pushing for donations or they're asking for help, like what an amazing feeling to just have an interest in something to go find an organization that does that yeah. and, um, and to read up about it and then donate even five or $10 or, or 50, if you can, like, to me, that is just, that's just helping the cycle continue to move of connecting one another and putting good energy into the world. And I believe that that energy will come back to you. Oh, I believe it wholeheartedly. <laughs> yes. I, I, before we sign off, I just want to say again, like, thank you so much for this chat. I, like I said, it's very informal. I just love talking to other arts workers and, and seeing, you know, where the various perspectives lie and yeah. uh, hearing your story. So I want to say thank you again for giving me your time. I know we went a little bit over, but uh, we're going to wrap That's it up okay. with something As long fun. as our listeners still are here <laughs> listening <laughs> and they don't mind we went a little bit over. Um, also, like, keep your head up, man. Like, you're doing oh, great. Yeah. And the fact that you started this podcast and you're doing so well with it, like, you're learning so much by obviously talking to other people, but you are... Um, you are a voice that people are listening to. And I think it's great what you're doing. And I think that your time is coming and your answers are on their way to you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I just sent in a self-tape yesterday. So this yeah, energy is really did. helping. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to do it. I'll be a tough guy on camera. What's up? Uh <laughs> oh man, I have a whole other like line of just tough guy work. That was all, I was like the Michelle Rodriguez other. You totally you know what I mean? were. I, I remember seeing the Terminators. You know. I remembered. <laughs> that was me. So I'm right there with you. I love it. But like, you know, break a leg at all of your endeavors. It was wonderful talking with you. And um, with you. I, I wish you all the success in the world. Oh, thank you. I hope to work with you at some point in the future. I want to be Hell on yeah. set. I'll be we your little be brother, brother or something. Sister. Hell I yes. I totally see it. I get it. <laughs> Like, a hey, family vibe going on here for sure. Asta has a has a younger brother you guys didn't know about. <clears throat> uh, just saying, <laughs> yes. resident Perfect. alien CDs. Uh, I, mean, I haven't, <laughs> met, I haven't um, met my birth parents yet, so there could sure. be other step siblings or th you know, it's possible. You sure. never know. I'm keep I'm keeping it open. I'm keeping it open. But that that means okay. I I, I got to bring you back for the live stream. <gasps> yes. Oh, please. <laughs> Please, I'll be on the lookout for that email, yes. for sure. But until then, we're going to sign off uh, this recording with a Wayne's World-style awkward goodbye. <laughs> Have you heard about this from Meredith at all? No. So I'm going to do a silent Wayne's World countdown. The second I point to you, give me your best verbal awkward goodbye. Okay. God, I'm nervous. <laughs> Don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. Just okay. first thing that comes up, go with your gut. Go with your gut. You ready? Okay. I'm already <laughs> awkward. <laughs> In. Uh, bye now. <laughs> <laughs>